Matthew chapter 15. Uh, me and Matthew talked. We had already, we were sitting out in the waiting room discussing. Now, if he don't get to go home, one of us is going to have to preach. So who's going to do what and this and that and the other. And, and, uh, and I said, well, I've got a message, but I need to go home work on it. Matthew said, well, I've got a message. I need to go home work on it. And then we went in the room with the preacher. And, uh, and I was thinking on the way home, uh, after we come out, Matthew made a statement about uh, that's not the preacher. Uh, now, he's not that bad, but it just how he always is, you know. He's always got something to say. But, um, and Matthew made a statement, and I thought, you know, uh, a man of God has an identity. We all have an identity. If you're a pastor, but especially if you're a pastor, you have an identity. If you're a deacon, you have an identity. You're a, a pastor's wife or a deacon's wife, or you sing in the choir, or you go to Solid Rock Baptist Church, or you say, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. You've got, you're not being identified as being one of God's youngins. If you're saved, you have an identity, and that identity is uh, that you belong to the Lord. If you're not saved, you have an identity, and that identity is you don't know God. You might be a good moral person, and people know you as that person. Uh, so I want, to, I want to preach on tonight spiritual identity theft. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 1, the Bible says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, ye shall, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Excuse me. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended that after they heard these sayings? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if I blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also without understanding? Do you not, under, do you not yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murderers, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. Brother George Brown, would you please pray?
Amen. Thank you, brother. Here in this text of Matthew 15, verses 1 through 20, uh, he's, Jesus has been talking to the disciples and, he's, and, and the, the Pharisees and those people gathered around him. And through this scripture, he's talking to different people. And tonight I want to talk for just a few minutes about spiritual identity theft. What, what is identity theft? Have you ever been a victim of identity theft? Somebody took your information, they got your information, and they, they uh, done things, and you wound up having to pay for it. Brother James has. Uh, you know, it's, that's a little bit different than you buy something, somebody gets your credit card number, and uh, they start buying stuff on your credit card, and you can call the bank and say, hey, I didn't buy this. Okay, then fill out this paper or, or go online and do this, and we'll take care of it. But spiritual identity theft is when people actually get your identity. There was a man one time that worked at uh, Progressive Furniture, and he's done everybody. He was seemed like the honest as a day is long, and everybody trusted him. He was doing about half the plant's income taxes. And all of a sudden, after about two or three years, he went off the other way, and uh, he took all that identity identification people that he had from filling out taxes, and he started buying vacuum cleaners and all kind of stuff. And uh, one man that worked there at the plant, they called him and thanked him for his new purchase of a rainbow vacuum cleaner at the sum of over $3,000. He said, I didn't buy no vacuum cleaner. But he stole those people's identity and used it for his benefit. Identity theft is that fraudulent acquisition and use of a person's private identifying information and normally usually for financial gain or they can use it for anything. Uh, there's a story about uh, Peter Sellers said in the mass behind the mass biographer Peter Evans says the actor Peter Sellers played so many roles he sometimes was not sure of his own identity approached by once by a fan he asked him said are you Peter Sellers and Sellers said briskly not today and walked on Uh, and sometimes uh, you and I as children of God uh, we have an identity Uh, And we need to guard our spiritual identity. We say we're saved. We love Jesus. We need to guard our spiritual identity. And here uh, in this scripture, we see some things that can cause the spiritual identity theft. There in verses 2 through 9 in this chapter, the first thing that he talks about here is, is these were religionists. The audience here was the religionists, the scribes, the the, uh, Pharisees. They were a special delegation probably that had been sent there to question Jesus, probably for one or two reasons. Either they were generally uh, really wonder what is uh, Jesus, what's he up to? Uh, is he real? And is he the true Messiah? Or was they disturbed by the news of Jesus' success and they feared losing the loyalty of the people? He's going to take away the people that's following us because of, of who he is. And the charge here against Jesus was, hey, you're breaking tradition. This ain't the way we do things around here. Uh, and religious people are often disturbed when they their uh, traditions, their rituals, their ceremonies, even their worship. Uh, their schedules and habits are broken. In other words, if we don't do it like we always done it, then 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 it's not right. And basically, that's what they were telling Jesus: is Hey, you're breaking tradition. They were charging him with that, and and uh, here that Jesus, uh, their charge of Jesus was that these people had broke uh, God's law to keep their own tradition. God said, Hey, you're breaking the law just to keep your own traditions. 
You're, you're denying what thus saith the Lord just to keep uh, your own traditions, to keep going the way you've always been a going. And he gave this illustration here. And sometimes uh, it, this illustration, well, it still works today, uh, uh, that people, they don't care what God says. So this is the way we've always done it. So this is, this is the way it's got to be right. I'm telling you one thing. I'm glad that I learned. I don't know a whole lot, but I know a whole lot more today than I did after I got, the day after I got saved. The night I, I didn't know nothing. Now I've thought I knew some things, uh, down through the years. And you've heard the preacher say this, uh, I, I, if you want to know something, just ask me. I got all the answers. Uh, you remember him saying that? And then he said, now I'm not sure what the questions are. And, and that's kind of the way it is. But one of the ways that we need to guard our, our spiritual identity is against the religious world. One man was talking to me here just the other day and was talking about these preachers and stuff on TV. He said, I watch this and this and this. I said, I don't watch that mess. Most of them don't even know. I don't even sure they're saved. Uh, it, what they say and what they preach on that TV is not exactly what lines up with this book. And... But one of the things that we need to do as God's people is to understand that we need to be on guard against the traditions of the religious, the religious crowd of this world. See, a religionist sets aside God's word for his traditions. Uh, they may be described they're either institutional, as a church body, or personal. Whatever, whatever it might be, the personal traditions, traditions are such things like church attendance, the little root rituals, the prayers, the habits, the ceremonies. I remember me and Matthews talked about this uh, in times past when I first come to the church. It seemed like God changed my whole life when we come to this church. I pastored the church for six and a half years and, and I had my way of doing things. Come here, I never seen a man pastor a church the way the preacher pastor the church. And I told him, I said, I never seen a man pastor the church the way you do. You, pre- you pastor that church with your heart and your life. You put everything into it. I've never been around nobody that does that. And I had to learn some things and, uh, of how he wanted things done. How God wanted things done, how things done around here. And me and Matthew, and I won't put words in my mouth, but I thought, man, or his mouth, but me and him was both the same thing, Tim and Ryan, when we get done. Is, is, man, when I preached, I had a certain Bible that I preached with, I had a certain pair of shoes that I preached with, and had all that stuff, because I thought those things will help me preach. And then after several years, I figured out that ain't got nothing to do with the way you preach. It's in your heart. The Word of God is in your heart. Living for God's in your heart. And if you're saved, you ought to dress right, walk right, talk right, be right, because it's right to do. And we need to guard that. Our spiritual identity, when people look on us and say, well, bless God, there goes a Christian. You really shouldn't have to have the Jesus shirt or the Jesus badge, but it's good if you want to wear one. But, but your heart and your, your presence should say, hey, there's something different. And that's something different. If Jesus is in the room, there's going to be a difference and that people's going to see him on you. But here Christ was, he was attacking, uh, their fact that, that they put many traditions before God's word. And we need to guard. That's things why it's important to be in the house of God. It's why it's important to, to read your Bible. It's why it's important to pray. So it'll help us to guard. And, and, and the more we guard our spiritual identity, God can bless us. The more we stand for Him uh, and we live for Him, the more God will bless us and God will help us uh, to do that. Say, so, well, how do I keep my spiritual identity concerning these religious, religious crowd? Well, the first thing we need to do is seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And God said, all these things is going to be added in, unto you. Jesus says, follow me. Put me first, just follow me. When you study the real thing, you know the real thing, all the fake stuff will show its head. It's amazing this morning, uh, or tonight, how many people and how many sects and cults use the King James Bible. They use the same Bible we do, but they believe it totally different. And 
to be honest, folks, the Bible says that the teacher, you have a teacher within you. As you read the Bible and you study the Bible, that teacher of the Holy Spirit of God will teach us what thus saith the Lord. And if, if that don't happen, then you need to check up. You need to make sure that you're saved, that you've not, that you've not made a profession and not got a possession. That is, I believe, but you didn't really believe. And see, that's one of the things we need to do to guard our spiritual identity. Number two, he talks about in verses 10 and 11, he said, He called the multitudes and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, that defileth the man. So that tells us there, the second thing that can cause us to lose our spiritual identity or, or hurt our spiritual identity uh, is our, our tongue. And folks, tonight, we better be very careful the words that come out of our mouth. Because he said, what comes out of the mouth comes out of the heart. And God looks on that and he hears those words. See, the defilement here that Jesus is talking about was common in the multitude and to the general public that was going on there. He said, it's not what a man eats and drinks. The kingdom of God's not meat and drink of there in the book of Romans. But he said, what defiles a, a, what defiles a man is a foul mouth. A mouth full of foul words, cuss words, filthy words, excuse me, critical words, deceptive words, the censoring words, the harsh words, the unkind words, the uncaring words. That, that word defile here means to make common, to make unholy, unclean, to become polluted and defiled. And folks, we need to be very careful about the words that come out of our mouth. You will destroy 20 years worth of living for God with one sentence, one filthy, nasty sentence out of your mouth. First thing it comes to mind is, the people say, I know that he wasn't real. She wasn't real. I knew it was just a matter of time. When I first got saved, uh, my cousin went back there and asked the man over to the ship in the park back there and said, did Ronnie get saved? Red said, oh, no, he didn't get saved. He'll be all right in a couple of weeks. And then he come and told me what he said. And that just made me more determined. Now, I'm not going to do that. And folks, tonight we need to understand when people, there's a world lost and dying and on their way to hell, and we need to guard. If we're in the army of God. We need to look like, and, and we need to, to present that army. We need to present who we are to this world. And see... Uh, something else to think about, what comes out of a person's mouth shows what his thoughts are. And that person's mouth reveals his mind and that world of thought. You know, sometimes I, I spend a lot of time by myself, so does the preacher. Uh, and some of you do too. Uh, and, and sometimes I talk to myself. And I talk, I talk to myself about things. And I try not to answer myself my own questions, but I talk about them. I think, well, da, 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 you know, and being here praying and talking to the Lord. And, and then when God starts talking, and it's like, you know, it's a conversation going on. And, and, but to guard the, the thoughts and the words that comes out of our mouth because people are listening and people are watching. And one thing the world needs today, we'll get there in a little bit, is they need to know something is real. We need to be real. If we say we're saved, we need to be real. We need to guard our spiritual identity because Satan is trying to steal that away from us and to use it for his benefit. If he can destroy your testimony, then if he can destroy your family, then he can destroy the church. Because we're the people, we make up the church. But a man's mouth pollutes and defiles him or makes him clean and unholy. Our mouths either confess that they either confess Christ or we deny Christ. I'm saved. Remember Peter? 
He was with Jesus. He was a fishing. Then he's a walking with Jesus. He's a talking with Jesus. He's eating with Jesus. He's a preaching with Jesus. And next thing you know, Jesus is, is arrested and Peter's standing out there by the barrel. I don't know him. And he starts cussing like a sailor. And any other body else that cusses. <laughs> because he, he denied the Lord. His tongue, his tongue, they thought, what are you doing talking like that? But his tongue made a difference there. Our words either bless God or they curse God. James 3 verses 9 through 10 says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brother, these things are not to be so. That's why our children shouldn't hear mom and daddy cussing at one another. Shouldn't be cussing at one another, even if the young ones is on the other side of the town. But... But they, sometimes we're guilty. Sometimes we say things. We say things that hurt people. We say things you don't feel good and everything's going wrong and, and you just don't want to talk about some things. But God says, God says for us out of the same mouth. So we need to guard that. We need to guard our spiritual identity uh, of who we are. The answer to keeping our spiritual identity there with our tongue, James 1 and 26 says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. God says, you say, well, the Bible says no man can tame his tongue, but with God all things are possible. Also in Proverbs 16 and 1, he said, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. To stop and think, what am I going to say? What is my, what words are, do I need to answer this? When you're in that hard situation sometimes. Sometimes you just want to haul off and belt somebody in the name of Jesus, of course. But you got to stop and think, well, you want to say something. And sometimes, sometimes I've been accused of that myself. My wife tells me all the time, uh, you know, you, you speak harsh. You speak hard. You, well, I, sometimes I say things one time and I want it to fix it. I don't want to tell it ten times. And I'm bad at that at home sometimes. And she'll tell you that. She's sitting back there. But don't go back there and ask her about it now. But if, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, so that tells us it can happen. But he said, with God, all things. We've got to pray and ask God to help us. God, help me control my tongue. God, help me control my thoughts. God, help me control my speech. Because our tongue can destroy us and steal away our spiritual identity. And we need to guard that. Not only, not only the, the religious crowd, not only our tongues, but he talks about in verses 12 through 14. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after this saying? They come to Jesus and said, Don't you know you offended them? You hurt their feelings. Well, look at the world today, how bold the world is today. And folks, we've got to stand up and be bold in the Lord. Because they're not bashful. They're not bashful one bit in the world about their boldness. But he said there, uh, but he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. The blind be leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, they shall both fall in the ditch. So we need to guard against our spiritual identity by the way of blindness. God, don't, God does not want us to be blind to the things of God. He gives us a book and tells us exactly what's going to happen. We know exactly what's going to take place. We already know we have the victory. We're not fighting to a victory. We're fighting in a victory. We already know the end. But God wants us not to be spiritually blind about the things that's going on around us. This time here, he's talking to the audience with his disciples. And the point was that Christ was taught here was an eye-opener to them. 
uh, they were extremely concerned of, of Christ having offended this religious delegation. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you live for Jesus today, you're going to offend the religious crowd. They don't even think you're supposed to come to church twice on Sunday. They don't think you're supposed to come three times a week. They don't think you have to read your Bible. They, some of them even think they're predestinated. They're going to heaven. It don't make no difference what they do, that they're, they're already predestinated, and they're going to go to heaven anyway, and there ain't no way they can get out of going. And they believe that as much as you and I believe what we believe. They believe that. But they're lost and they're blinded. And God says here for us, to, he was warning here, the blind bleed the blind and they're both going to fall into the ditch. So we need to guard our identity and to know what thus saith the Lord. Especially in the day and hour that we live. Uh, Jesus here is talking about the, this religious cloud. Uh, he said, they're not planted by my Father. So just leave them alone and pay no attention to them. But still yet, God wants us to, to live a life in front of them that they can see Jesus that they can know that there's somebody that's still living for the Lord. Somebody's still following God. The, the Christ here, he was very brief. He was very to the point. And he's very clear about it. He said, this religious crowd, they're not born of God. So you can't expect people to come in the church house that's lost and undone. You can't expect them to live like a Christian. They're not saved. They don't know the Lord. We went to a men's meeting uh, Several, well, probably about two months ago now, and that preacher I was listening to the CD uh, yesterday, and he was he reminded me. He said, "If you ain't got, if you ain't got people uh, doing this and this and this in your church, then then you're not doing something. There's not lost people. They don't know how to live for God. They're not. They've not been learned. They've not been. They don't know God." They don't come into church wearing the right clothes. They don't come into church carrying a Bible. They don't come into church looking like and walking like and talking like a Christian because they're not saved. They've never, many times people that's got saved right around this altar has confessed that's the first time they've ever heard the plan of salvation. And they, and some of them been in church. One woman's come back there, been in church for 20 years. And the preacher Darlene Visitor, she said, that's the first time in my life I've ever heard the plan of salvation. That anybody told me how I can know that I can, that I can be saved and that I can know that I'm, I'm saved. And, that, and that's amazing. See, God said these people are not planted by God. They're to be rooted up. They're to be left alone, pay no attention to. They're spiritually blind. They, mis, they mislead the blind. And God says they're both going to fall in the ditch. But God don't want us to be blind. And we need to guard our spiritual identity by being aware of what thus saith the Lord and seeing uh, God working and moving in our hearts and life. See, Christ here was not only talking about the, the, the religious cloud, the religious crowd, but he was also talking about their, their doctrines and their traditions. And folks, today in our that we live, whatever you're looking for today, you can find it. Get on the internet and Google it and you'll find it. Uh, it it's amazing what's out there today. The lies that people believe. The lies that people think that's going to take them to heaven. And if you're not saved tonight, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to be saved, you need to be washed in the blood, and you need your eyes open to the truth so that you can live for Him and understand and see what all God has just for you. And see, uh, Jesus said here, there's two things about these religious crowds you need to know. They're, they are, they are in the visible church. But they've not, they're not planted by God. He said in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 15, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, 
for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. God wants us to be able to see that spiritually when we hear those, those, false, dog, those false preachers, those false prophets say, hey, they're wrong. Stay away from them. I've had people invite me to their church before. I, said, I ain't going down there. I don't believe the way they do. I'm not going to go down there. What's the use to go? You're always going to get a dab of truth. Satan will give you just enough truth to get you on the hook. And once he gets that hook in your jaw, he'll drag you plumb out into the world. And that's what happens so many times. They and their man-made doctrines and traditions, Jesus said they're going to be rooted up. And God says you need to guard against those things. He said, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He said, He's blinded their minds that they can't see because they just won't see the truth. And God wants us to know the truth. What's the answer to keep our spiritual identity in our blindness? He said that in Ephesians 1 and 18, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Folks, God says, I could, he says, Ronnie, I saved your soul and I can keep you saved. And you, need, and you need to know that. You were there when it happened. You remember when it happened? <laughs> and he says, I, I'm saved and I'm going to keep you saved. And I, I can put that in my, by faith, believe God that no matter what happens, but I still need to guard against because I want to finish right. I want to do right. That's what Paul said. Paul said, even though I know right to do, I don't always, that that I would, I don't do. But that that I would not, that's what I do. And sometimes Satan will get us so sidetracked there that we'll think, well, bless God, I'm not even sure I'm saved no more. That's one of the dangers of being out of church. That's one of the dangers of not being faithful to the house of God. That's one of the dangers of not reading your Bible and praying and staying walking with God and living for the Lord is that Satan will get you isolated and get you out there and get you weak and then the next thing you know, he's done stole your identity. People look at you and say, my God, they ain't saved. If they're saved, they wouldn't be doing this. If they're saved, they wouldn't be doing that. The last thing... I want to talk about tonight that causes our spiritual identity theft is our heart. A corrupt heart. Christ turned to his disciples there in the scripture. And they were his audience once again. And Peter stood in a forefront there. And Jesus rebuked the disciples for being slow to learn. He said, there, uh, don't you... Are you also yet without understanding? Do you not know no better? You've been with me all this time. Don't you know no better? And see, one thing about our heart, food don't commend us to God. There's no connection to what we eat and our spirituality. But the lustful and excessive appetite come out of the heart. But when it comes to these things of themselves, the food and drink we take into our mouths, there's no motive, no motive or Merit or value, no morality or virtue to these themselves, but it's what we do with the things that makes us either good or bad. When our heart, you have a good heart. To have a heart that loves God, to have a heart that wants to serve God, it's the heart that determines what we do with things. You can take anything. People, I know people condemn computers. 
You can take the computer and use it for good. You can take the computer, computer and use it for very, very bad things. You can take drugs and use them for good. Or you can take drugs and they will kill you. They will destroy you. You can, many things in the world can be used for good or very bad things. But it's the heart that determines what we do with things. What comes out of our heart reveals, what comes out of our mouth reveals what, what our heart is. If good comes out, then our heart's shown to be good. If evil comes out, then our heart's shown to be bad. Paul said, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. See, a man's not made unclean by the things that, that goes into our body, but it's what comes out. And that's why we need to guard our spiritual identity by the things that come out. Our, our, the way we pay attention to the religious crowd, the religious things of this world, we need to know the truth. Our sight, our, uh, our eyes, our blindness, uh, our heart, to guard our heart, to, that we would just live for God and say, well, what, what's the answer to my spiritual identity? How do I guard my heart? Well, Matthew 5 and 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That is to keep our hearts pure. Solomon said, my son, give me thine heart. And folks, we need to give God our hearts. Not just the center of our heart, our heart. If we give him the center of our heart, then we leave all the rest of it for all these other things that can get to the center of our heart and drag us, drag us to the right or to the left. He don't just want the center. He wants it all. He wants all of our heart. And we need to guard our heart, guard our spiritual identity of this world. When people, you know, as the preacher said, I want to quit about every other Monday, or every Monday. <laughs> but there's no place to quit. You don't have to be the pastor to want to quit. You don't have to be a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or, or uh, an usher or a choir director or, or a musician or a sound person or working a clerk or, or a prayer warrior to sometimes to just want to quit. But there's nowhere to quit. The world's, the, the world's going on. Time's going on. People's dying and going to hell every day. And we need, to, we need to live a life that people can say, hey, there's something real about this Christianity. There's something real about serving Jesus. And people need to know, I've prayed ever since I've been in this church, even when other church, when we come here, I, my prayer is God will be so real in this place that when people drive down the road, they'll know there's something different about this place. About that three or 400 feet up there on the road, there's something different that God meets with us. I've been in this church before when people walk in the back door, get three steps in that door back there and stop and say, whoa, there's something different here. Not bragging on us, but bragging on the God that meets with us. That they could feel and know that there's something different. In the way of conclusion, what, when our identity is stolen in this world, we have to work hard to get it back. If you've had your identity stolen like James talked about there, and I'm people that I've known, man, it's not easy. It's hard to take care of that. You got to, sometimes you have to hire a lawyer. It's not easy. And when you lose your testimony, you have to work hard. It does, you don't get it back overnight. And I've known people through my lifetime and, and they, they failed the Lord. They got out of the will of God. They thought they could do it themselves. They got out of the will of God. They got out of church out and away from the Lord. And the next thing you know, they were, they were out there in the world and then they repented of their sin like they should. But when people get away from God like that and you get out there, you can repent of your sins, but the consequences of that sin is still there. 
and we have to deal with it. And, and people will say, you know, well, well, I repented, I made things right, so I want my family to step up and do right. But you lost something. You lost that trust. And sometimes it takes years to get that trust back. It don't make no difference if you've been saved one year, six months, or 25 years. When you lose trust, and you lose that identity of, man, they're rock solid. I know people, and people say, well, do you know so-and-so? Yes, sir, I do. They're a good Christian family. They're a good Christian man, a good Christian lady. And they have an identity. That's who they are. Joe has an identity. He loves God. He prays God wherever he's at. Right, man? He has an identity of that. And when the, the person that you are, you, you're identified by Joe. When you hear Joey's name, oh, he's the choir director. He has an identity of, and Miss Sarah, she's the piano player. And in this church, she's identified. You hear Miss Sarah's name, what do you think about? The piano. She's identified as the... Now, if Sarah or Joey goes out and does something or whatever, if you're a Sunday school teacher, and, and you go out to the bars and honky-tonks on a Saturday night, and then you come in here, you're going to lose everything there is, especially when people find out that that's where you've been. You lose your identity. People in your family... And say, and I was just thinking of people, it just run through my pictures. I'm not condemning people. I'm thinking, my God, they go out to the bars and honky-tonks on a Saturday night, and yet they're teaching a Sunday school on a Sunday morning. God's not going to bless that. They've lost their identity. They can't be a true witness. And folks, we need to be real, and we need, we need to protect our spiritual identity. And when it comes to witnessing to non-Christian friends, and I'm talking about that, the importance of the time that we spend with our friends, it don't mean that we have to be perfect. You don't have to always get everything. You don't have to worry about saying something wrong or right when you're trying to win somebody to the Lord. You just gotta, you just gotta be real. Say, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. And I love God. I know God loves me. But one of the three things that we can do is that is just be real and show our heart that we care about people that's dying and going to hell. Nobody, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, I, I, I can't tell you the times that I've read that in books and heard it preached. Is people just don't, they don't care how much you know. They don't care how many, uh, I don't care how many years a doctor went to school. I don't care how long he's been practicing medicine. And if I go to him with a sniffle and he can't fix it, he's done. <laughs> I'm looking for another one. Because I need someone, I need some help, I need some help. And so do you. But one of the, one of the things I want to leave you with is we need to remember who we are. And protect our spiritual... I'm a child of God, and I'm going to protect that. And if you're here tonight and you're not saved and you don't know Jesus Christ, then you need to get saved. And you need to understand Jesus loves you. Jesus has an identity in this world. It's kind of like Brother Howe said, I think about... He's talking about... He said one thing about Brother Howe said, when you hear my name, either pucker up or duck. Well, that's the way it is with Jesus anymore. You mention Jesus' name, either people love him or they hate him to the nth degree. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. Even the CNN reporter, he said, why can you talk about God and the Lord and all night long, but if you mention the name of Jesus, all hell breaks loose. Why is that? It's because he's the one that died on the cross. He's the one that Satan done everything he could do to keep from going to the cross because he knew that once Jesus went to that cross, he was going to die there and he's going to pay the sin debt for this world and they would nothing he can do about it. And folks, tonight, remember who we are. The last thing I want to tell you, Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Excuse me. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And folks, 
That's, a, that's an everyday thing. You might conquer it today, but you're going to meet the same adversary in the morning. And you've heard this a thousand blue million times from this altar. The worst one that I have to take care of is the one I shave in the morning. The one I look in the mirror. That feller gives me more trouble than Matthew Roper. No, Matthew don't give no trouble. I've seen but that, And that's who we fight the most with. Because you know what? We're in charge. I give myself permission to do whatever it is I do. But I want, it's my heart. I want to serve God. I want to walk with God. I want to live for God. I want to be the very best I can be where I'm at. And I know tonight that's, that's the heart of our pastor. I know he loves his church. I know he loves you. I know he loves us. He loves me. He loves, he loves every one of us. He's given his life for this church for 25 years, him and Miss Darlene and their family. And folks, he ha- when you mention the name Jerry Steins, people know who you're talking about. It's been amazing. He, he told you the story uh, last, Saturday, last Sunday where uh, he was just standing out there talking to me and Matthew about he didn't have no invitations to go preach and then he got one. Well, he got another one. <laughs> a feller called here and uh, they wanted him to come preach at the chapel and, uh, and I said, brother, you have to talk to him about that. But he has an identity. You mentioned the name Jerry Steins, Salt Rock Baptist Church. And, and folks... Every one of us has that identity, and we need to protect that. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I'm living for God. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed, please.